That's right, it's March 1991, a really good month and year, and we're going to start off in the Melter Notes on the 4th of March 1991. Hello there and welcome to episode 4 and let's get on with this. A sports marketing group did a national survey for an ad agency and the World Wrestling Federation Pro Wrestling ranked it the most hated and disliked sports in the United States out of 114 different sports. This, this got a ton of mainstream coverage in the press and the fact is the WWF is by means not the only pro wrestling organisation in America. However, the survey was for adults and the WWF prime targets are children. The result of the survey shouldn't hurt them too much with advertisers, although it certainly won't help. Luckily, the survey wasn't conducted before the Sergeant Slaughter angle or might have been worse. How do you get worse than last place? And the WWF... Wrestling was twice as popular among males and females, which isn't bad actually. It's about the same male to female ratio as the sports like NBA or MLB. It's also seen as lower class entertainment, i.e. wrestling, that dumb hick-like shit. However, WWF's marketing and analysts themselves were big celebs as helped with their... And properly explain why they still do it today, yeah? Especially that Suki shit. Lucha Libra star Eddie Guerrero wrestled a dark match prior to WCW's WrestleWar 1991's pay-per-view. Damn. I wish they would have recorded that. Speaking of WrestleWar. In the War Games match, Brian Pil Pillman was legitimately injured when his feet hit the top of the cage on a Sid Vicious powerbomb. He went to the hospital afterwards. But it isn't expected to miss too much time. Dave says the match is one of the best he's ever seen live and gave it a full five stars. It is a good match. Speaking of Wrestle War again, the WWF ran a show nearby the night before and kept the show going till nearly midnight, hoping to leech ticket sales away from WCW's events. Feeling that most fans probably won't go to two wrestling events back to back nights, little shits. Especially if they were out late the night before. That's just some shady shit right there. It certainly is. Speaking of, they're still doing the post-match angle where Warrior strips Sherry to her underwear and then beats her up and she does a stretcher job, which seems to be a turn-off of lots of parents in the crowd. I know I agree with that one. Missy Hyatt is dating the Wonder Years actor Jason Harvey. Lucky Jason Harvey for 1991. Chris Benoit signed a three-year contract with New Japan. And wasn't it a good three years? Owen Hart and Brian Pillman's tag team called Wings has been thrown out now because Pillman will be getting a, be getting a major push when he returns from Wrestle War injury. Owen is still expected to debut with the company soon. Owen ended up working about a dozen matches for WCW 91. Yeah, nothing to write home about. Meltzer got this one wrong, eh? Tugboat expected to leave WWF for WCW soon. Nope, not for another two years. And oh, what a memorable night that was. Update on Shane Douglas leaving. The split was amicable. 
Douglas' father is gravely ill, so Shane wanted off the road to care for him. In the meantime, has taken a job teaching children with learning difficulties. Both sides expect he'll return to WWF eventually. Yeah, about summertime. And I think it's time for a commercial break. Hey, got the money in my pocket. Got the time on my hands. Got the notion, got to listen to a rock and roll. It's the clean, crisp taste that makes Budweiser the genuine article. March 11th, 1991 of the Meltzer's Notes. WCW's doing a joint show with New Japan three days prior to WrestleMania. They're often getting... Hot. They're offering it for $9.95 as a mini pay-per-view to see if the idea of a cheap pay-per-view will work. The show is expected to draw between 15,000-60,000 people at the Eggdome and will likely be the biggest crowd for wrestling show this year. This was later known as WCW New Japan Super Show and they ended up doing another two after this in the following years. The war in Iraq is already over, and within and with two weeks to go to WrestleMania, Sergeant Sorty storyline now seems to be dated and top of tasteless. The whole thing was built up as Slaughter representing Iraq, and Hogan beating Slaughter would be a moral victory for America. But the real war has already happened, and America was decisive victors in a matter of days. Now there is no war or threat of war to leech off. The WWF has to find another way to get last-minute impulse pay-per-views before the show. Bob Costa was scheduled to appear at WrestleMania in an instant repair controversy skip, but this has been backed out as a show due to the nature of the Slaughter Iraq storyline saying that doing the show wouldn't be in the best taste. It's expected that Alex Trebek will replace him, which was right. Ricky Steamboat will be de debuting after WrestleMania. Nope. Nope, he wasn't. Vince's bodybuilding lifestyle magazine, the official, the official WBF magazine, is doing poorly and they are scrambling to hire new writers and editors to improve it. But the IFBB has warned any of their staff that if they go to work for Vince, they won't be allowed back if he fails, since no one knows how serious Vince is about the World Body Federation business and whether it will really last people are scared to jump shift uh, it'd be a good idea not to that story in Yates WCW has given Robert Gibson his notice and doing away with groups like the Midnight Express the Rock and Roll Express and the Four Horsemen forever and plans to start creating new things, ha yeah adorable like it's gonna happen <laughs> stupid fucking knobheads Missy Hyatt and Jason Harvey's relationship is one of the hot topics in the business. Entertainment outlets are claiming they are too unengaged, but Dave has not. No confirmation on this. I don't think they were engaged either. And 
it was a slow week, so with that, we'll go for a commercial break. Never give you enough room. And another thing, young lady, that blind. Down if you wouldn't mind. Treat you like cattle. And as for the so-called service... I think this bag should go in the overhead locker, don't you, madam? <laughs> Only Heidegger can do this. March the 18th now. At the end of an era, as the final weekly wrestling card takes place in the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis tonight, it was one of the fewer buildings in the US still holding weekly shows and routinely drawing crowds of a thousand or more every Monday night. This ended up being temporarily as wrestling returned to the Coliseum a few months later. Rose Ambar and Tom Ald have also pulled out of WrestleMania. No reason given. I wonder why. Weird has come that Sensational Sherry will be joining up with Ted DiBiase after WrestleMania 7, which pretty much gives the way the ending for the Macho Warrior retirement match, but everyone already knew Macho Man is losing anyway. But it was a great match. Herb Abrams company, the UWF, is bouncing checks to wrestlers and Honky Tonk Man is making you stink of it. Contacting the State Athletic Commission about it, Abrams is claiming that he can't pay him due to ongoing legal issues with the WWF. Vince McMahon suing the shit out of him. However, the Athletics Commission refused to allow UWF's next show to take place until he pays the people who checks had bounced. Pegasus Kid Chris Benoit won the WWF Light Heavyweight Championships, which is apparently being defended in Mexico's UWF promotion for some reason, but still carries the WWF name and lineage. Well then, there's some trivia for you. Chris Benoit's first WWF title win technically happened in 1991. It certainly did. Staying in Mexico now, the main event of the recent show there saw Guerrero versus Tapoed in a mask versus match. Mask. Tapoed came to the ring with a live chicken, sort of the way Coco Beware came to the ring with a bird. At one point, Guerrero grabbed the chicken and started fucking hinting Tapado with it. He beat the man with a live chicken. Meltzer reported that the chicken kept trying to fly away, but but but. Guerrero just kept pulling it back and kept hitting Tapado with it. Holy shit, that sounds fucking disgusting. Yeah. Terry Funk will be starring in an episode of Quantum Leap, which will air in a couple of months' time. Former Stampede wrestler and tag partner of both Owen Hart and Chris Benoit, Bob Bass Rab recently pilled guilty to aggressive assault in relation to a case where he had two other men beat a man senseless for accidentally flushing 30 grand's worth of coke down a toilet, which he mistook for a cable repairman for a police raid. Jesus. Buddy Landell has been fired from WCW for blowing snot at a hotel employee. Disgusting bastard. He was already on thin ice anyway. This was the last straw. Thank God for that, the dirty bastard. Hey, 
WCW now, Arn Anderson is out of action with a torn groin. Yes, I noticed that at the last Clash of Champions. Missy Hyatt and Jason Harvey are not engaged, regardless of what the tabloids may be reporting. I knew it. WCW is creating a new mass character named Black Blood. The role, the role may end up being played by Kevin Nash, who is currently one half of the Master Blasters tag team, or maybe Billy Jack Haynes. It's Billy Jack Haynes. WCW are negotiating with Burt Reynolds to come in and do something with Ron Simmons at the upcoming May pay-per-view. Bert Reynolds is reportedly a WCW fan because of Simmons, who was a star football player at FSU, where Bert Reynolds also attended. A media watch survey in New Zealand found that the WWF wrestling was the most violent show on television due to the pressures from their country cracking down on TV violence. WWF had their show cancelled in New Zealand. The show wasn't doing great ratings anyway. Wait till the attitude here, I mean, you think, you think, uh, 91 was violent. There was a protest outside a local event for the WWF. Veterans of Foreign Wars announced plan to picket last month's WWF show in the arena due to Sergeant Slaughter angle. In response, the WWF pulled Slaughter from the show. Good lad. When the devil in your heart won't set you free It must be hard being an angel When the world has let you down Imperfection all around Hey, look at me Nobody's perfect All of the time Nobody's perfect We are what we are Federation Champion, Sergeant Slaughter versus the Immortal, Hulk Hogan, face to face, And with that, it's review time. It's WrestleMania 7, a.k.a. Superstars and Stripes Forever, March 24th, 1991 at the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena. And the attendance is 16,158, but look more like 25,000. Right. I'm just going to run through the card before the review. First up, we've got the Rockers. They defeated the Barbarian and the Haku. The Texas Tornado defeated Dino Bravo. The British Bulldog defeated the Warlord. We've got the WWF Tag Team Championship match. The Nasty Boys defeated the Hart Foundation. We've got a blindfold match. Jake Roberts defeated Ric Flair. 
The Undertaker, The Phenom, started the streak here, defeated Sean, Jimmy Snooker, we've got a retirement match, really great match as well, The Ultimate Warrior defeated The Macho King, Randy Savage, we've got Tenru and Katao defeated The Bullshit Demolition, Smash and Crush, we've got the Intercontinental Championship match, we've got Big Boss Man defeated Mr. Perfect by disqualification, remember, titles only change hands of pinfalls and submissions. Earthquake defeated Greg Valentine. The Legion of Doom defeated the injured Power and Glory. Virgil with Rowdy Rowdy Piper defeated Ted DiBiase by countout. The Mountie defeated Tito Santana. And lastly, we've got the World Heavyweight Championship match. Hulk Hogan defeated Sergeant Slaughter. Little bit of trivia. WrestleMania 7 was the start of The Undertaker's epic undefeated streak. WrestleMania 7 was also Mania's debut of the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich, the Nasty Boys and the Legion of Doom, as well as Bobby Heenan on commentary. Thirdly, WrestleMania 7 marked the only Mania appearance of Tenru and Katao. And lastly, WrestleMania 7 was originally supposed to be held in a much more larger LA Memorial Coliseum but was downsized to sports arena due to poor ticket sales which they put down to bomb threats towards Sergeant Slaughter. Ah! This is a what culture review of Wrestlemania 7 which is secretly aka the best Wrestlemania of all time. Many people think of the greatest Wrestlemania's selected number of events tend to pop up in the mind of most like Wrestlemania 17 is probably the best Wrestlemania of all time and a candidate for the best American wrestling pay-per-view of all time. I reckon it's Wrestlemania 8 but that's just me. Wrestlemania 3 is up there thanks to the spectacular the Silver, the Silver Dome and rather the great event overall that's fine and dandy but I'm going to throw a different Wrestlemania into the mix. Wrestlemania 7 may be the best Wrestlemania that nobody talks about. Firstly, let's address the elephant in the room and one of the main reasons that most men tend to shy away from Mania is the Gulf War, the first one. I don't even know if that's a word, but then it's probably the best name for it. Taking Sergeant Slaughter, who at, who at that point had been portrayed as an American hero and turned and given to an Iraqi sympathizer, was done with incredible bad taste. The media took note of the angle and skewed, and skewed McMahon rather badly for this. Yes, Slaughter did get a lot of heat and he was moment in the ring, but the media coverage of the war was very tense. You could watch missiles hitting targets from seats of your couch and it was the first war to be covered by cable news, I remember. All this in a war that only lasted about six months, it should be noted that the war ended almost four, a full month before the actual event, much to McMahon's sickeringe probably. Well, this is a smaller elephant and that is to move it to a Los Angeles sports arena. Originally, the car was set to take place at the massive Los Angeles Coliseum. Originally, the main event was scheduled to be Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Mario rematch. It was probably the only match that had a legitimate chance of drawing a big number at the Coliseum, but Warrior bombing his champion killed that from happening. The company actually started building the match right after WrestleMania 6 ended, stating that there will be no immediate rematch. <laughs> While a Warrior ran in at the top, bombing, the steroids allegations begin and fans turning away from Slaughter, the move to the sports arena was the best move possible. 
Now that we've addressed the elephant, let's talk about the events in my opinion. The positive five overweigh the negatives, and the positive, the crowd is super hot throughout the night, which helps gently. Maybe a little bit of clouds. Crowd sweetening there, Vince. This ain't much uh, much else I can say about that. And we even get a Valor the Superfan, I see in him. Appearance Brock Lesnar's guy. Most of the superfans of today could learn a thing or two from Vlad. You can never go wrong with Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heaney on, on commentary. And if someone could make a compilation of his insults, Heaney level at Piper about his kilts being scared, I'll give you a cookie. <laughs> the opening match was between the Rockers against Haku and the Barbarian is great. The Rockers were at their best going against their biggest opponents and once again a crown helped the Rockers bump like pinballs for Hall, for Haku and Barbarian and they bust one some pretty cool spots. A moment that made me go holy crap was Ginetti jumped for the Frankensteiner on Haku but Haku held him up and took him to the ropes. Barbarian come in, ran the ropes and pretty much bulldogged Jared's throat first into the top rope so I might turn my notes over another good moment is Ginetti attempting a crossbody to only have Barbarian catch him and power slim this is really good opener probably the second best mania opener after Brett and Owen I agree with that next up is the British Bulldog and the Warlord match. It's also a fun big match. Since Bulldog was still pretty athletic at this point. It's it's not a great match. It's probably the best match of Waddy's career. But it surprised me. Sure you have two rest spots. But, that's, but they work at pretty brisk pace. It's great to see Bulldog at this time in his career. Before the knee injury did some real damage to him. He would have been a perfect number two face in the company at this time, and I agree with that. The Half Foundation has their swan song with, on this pay-per-view when they dropped the tag belts to the Nasty Boys. The Half Foundation reigned the top, top good guy tag team never panned out. They didn't have a top flight team to feud against. Demolition was moved into a feud with the Road Warriors, leaving a Half Foundation to feud with Riven and Blues, Jesus. I think the feud with Power and Glory would have been good, but the Half Foundations ends a six-year run in a great tag bout with the Nasty Boys, while the Nasties were the great, were the greatest team. They could have a good match with the right teams. Oh yeah, Brett worked his ass off. Next up is the blindfold match. Yes, I said that the blindfold match is possibly aspect of WrestleMania. You may ask yourself. Has he gone crazy? Absolutely not. I say, if I can survive the Black Scorpion, then I can survive a one-off gimmick match. This match isn't that great, but the crowd is beyond is beyond into it, which is a positive. Jake Roberts could write a book on how to get the crowd into the palm behind. Plus, we've got another great Jake Roberts pre-match promo. It's a short one, but it proves that when he speaks, he means more than the length of a promo. Next up is the Korea versus Korea match. It's quite possibly the best match of Ultimate Warrior's career. 
It's also an emotional epic as both men battle to save their career. I should also note that it's a great example of blowing off a few properly and not doing an immediate rematch on finding an, a way around the stipulation. It was also the best built the match on the card, but I'm happy that it wasn't for the belt. The aftermath with Miss Elizabeth has even more than most jaded the smart marks tear up a bit. It's a great moment, Savage finds redemption even though he loses his career. I love the fact that Savage kept his grudge against Warrior on commentary, having no sympathy when The Undertaker locked him in a casket the following week. It was quite funny. The IC matches between the Big Boss Man and Mick the Perfect. It's a match that I forgot about. It's a great payoff to the Heenan family versus the Bossman feud. Plus, Perfect and Bossman have good chemistry, perfect bumps in his usual crazy style, and Bossman holds his own, taking a nasty rolling neck snap on his knees that looks cringeworthy. It did. Andre getting involved is a nice callback to his face turn at WrestleMania 6, but the finish is a bit out of. Yeah, it's a bit of a cop-out. Haku and Barbarian run in for the DQ finish and boss, Bossman Andre um, kind of cleared off the ring. If you want another good Bossman match, is his bout against Barbarian at the, that same year's Royal Rumble is a good match too. It is actually. Give it a go. Next up is the Bear for the Streak as The Undertaker squashes Jimmy Snooker with relative ease. It's not the greatest match in the world, but it should be seen for historic purposes. The Undertaker looks like a monster on the way to feud with the Ultimate Warrior. I agree with that. The great thing about the next match, Ted DiBiase versus Virgil. It's Ted DiBiase at his most evil. Ted's just heals it up and going after a hobbled Rowdy Piper is great. It sets up the stage for their SummerSlam clash that draws an epic pop from the crowd when Virgil wins. Yes. As much as the controversy and diners that the build-up for the Slaughter Hogan rightfully deserves, they really ebbed it up to near end having Slaughter claim he was playing by his own rules and Beating the evil loving crap out of Hogan on numerous occasions helped to build the hatred. The match itself is well done and slaughter it was truly magnificent during this time period. The blood helps the match and it's always been a belief that blood used in a small dose is more effective than blood all, all the time. Hogan gets the win and I recommend you check out the Desert Storm match they have at the MSG. I certainly agree with that. Go for it. Also, Regis Feldman might be the best celebrity turning wrestling commentator ever, even though his nearest competition is R. Donovan. Neg negatives, the cooldown period from Savage and Warrior is four straight backstage interviews. Interesting reply segment for the 10 nauseating interviews. We get banter from Vince McMahon and George Steinberg and Paul. I can't even read it. The segment was so bad that it was cut from the Coliseum release and the DVD release, but it made it onto the VH collection that put out in 97. Still the best Christmas present ever, used kids out there. I guess Vince wanted to get the Bushwhackers on the card. 
The leftovers of the card are Kerry Von Erich and Dino Bravo. It's one of the more rememberable matches in wrestling, considering that both men died within a month of each other. Kerry did the gun celebration after winning. It's also morbid considering how how he and Bravo met their demise. It's sad that we don't get to see Prime Kerry Von Erich in the WWE. By the time he arrives, he was crippled by injury and drug addiction. Squash matches galore and two most disappointing is Demolition losing to Tenru and Katal and Power and Glory losing to the Legion of Doom in minutes. While I understand that Demolition had fallen hard after Axe left, at least having them put over put over an established team. I disagree with that one because I love Tenru, he's my favourite Japanese wrestler. Turn them face for a month and have the nasty boys put them over on the shelf before they go up against LA LOD. Power and Glory had some momentum after SummerSlam, and I think a few between them and the Hart Foundation could have been good feuds, plus they had pretty cool finishes. Shame about the Legion of Doom match against Demolition. It was earmarked, I remember seeing it. A repackaged Rujo brother now. The Mountie goes over Tito Tana, Tantana to build up for the boss man and the best built match ever. Another so called squash match. We've got Fat Man himself, the Earthquake, facing against Greg Valentine. The aftermath of WrestleMania would see the Bear for Bret Hart's push and a singles wrestler, but the main events seen would stall out. So in closing for the WrestleMania 7 review, the company continues with Hogan and Slaughter, even though we saw a definitive Hogan victory since the company had run out of heels for Hogan to go after. And they continued on the household circuit, which continued to make no money, but the Warrior versus The Undertaker in the body bag match was the biggest cash cow of the summer. Anyway, The Undertaker was being pepped for the feud with The Warrior, as I've just said. Savage was on hiatus. He wanted to try and have a baby. DiBiase was in the Virgil feud with Perfect. Was Perfect. And starting to go on him. Ric Flair arrived in the latter half of the year. Would salvage a truly awful main event scene. Is WrestleMania 7 the greatest event of all time? No, but I think it falls by the wayside. Because of the tasteless build and pro-American theme. I also think that the looming steroid controversy didn't help. Which are covered in the second episode of the T Raven Top Buckle podcast. Since Hogan made a damaging appearance on the Osario Hall the month before. Overall, this is a great WrestleMania. I recommend that you track a copy down or get the network. It's a nice slice of nostalgia that ages well and doesn't taste like rotten eggs. And when you eat it, boy, it sounds bad. Also, you got Willie Nelson's Singing Star Spandle Banner. Check it out. Just, just give it a go. Total excitement. Total Schwarzenegger. Total recall.
Right, next up, which happened a week after WrestleMania, it is SWS WWF WrestleFest 91 over in Japan. The first match on the card was the Rockers versus the Heart Foundation. It was a 14 minutes and 40 seconds. And here's a little scripture review for you. Good open start to the show. The Heart seemed to be heels here, but Brett could, could wrestle any style. Sean tried to do a flare splat here. Flip into the corner, but fell off the apron. Damn Sean could shell. Half empty down here, Kevin Dunn would... Would have sorted that shit out like he'd done at WrestleMania 7, making 16,000 people look like 30,000. Some English-speaking smart-ass shouting shit pissing me right off. And the finish comes with Sean doing a crossbody off the top rope, but Brett reserves it for the pin. Great match, freestyle. <laughs> リバースで返していったんですよね。もう一回違う角度からご覧いただきましょう。ダイビングして抑え込んでいこうというところ、やや重心が高いところにありましたかね、キキさん。それとですね、抑えた。Next up, we've got Airway versus Kitao in a six minutes and ten second match. Airway, Airway's known here by his given name, John Tenta. And he is a former sumo wrestler winning all of his 24 bouts in his 8-month active career. His simmer known was Ken Kato Tanta, which, mean, which means translated as Tanta the Harp. After winning so much, this name changed to Kenta Kato Tanzan, I think I'm saying it correctly, meaning Heavenly Mountain Harp. And... Being only the third white su sumo, his nickname changed to the Canadian Comet. Quaker is Hovi, a big cheese for him. Katow, not so much, but I do like his SWS Godzilla varsity style jacket. Two big strong lads here, square enough. Big clothesline for his flaws, Quake, but a big boot down to Katow. Four arms back and four here. Clotheslines by Katow, almost put Airquake down. Katow went for the second, but Quake. Stopped and the crowd loves it. Another big boot by Quake, but Katow down hardier. Nice Sato suplex by Katow, but Quake recovers for a nice power slam. Quick starts the tremors and sit sit down splash for the sh for the win. Sweet two stars here. <laughs> そのままホールの体勢3つのカウントまるでトラブラーだか大王が降ってきたみたいなねいやしかし菊さんこれあのイーストプライドのイジトプライドの決闘を隠しましたがキャリアの点でいやしかし菊さんこれあのイーストプライ
Sergeant Slaughter versus the fucking Warrior at seven minutes and fourteen seconds. Another, another one star match. The shit outside was okay, but the Warriors in the ring is just pure dog shit. Yeah. Next up is two UWF fighters. I haven't got a clue who they are and I can't even pronounce the name, so here's a little snip sniffer for you. Naoki Sano versus Masakitsu Funaki. So anyway, sorry, another one star. I'm not into the UA, the UWF or Pangray style of wrestling. I don't know much about these guys, so that's that. Ah. <laughs> Next up, we have got Mr. Perfect versus Texas Tornado in a 6 minutes and 59 second match. A WF style match in Japan. Come on, lads, you can do better than this. Kate should have won. Not Kerry. Another poor match for me. One star and a half here. <laughs> ベルトの移行というのはどういうことでしょうか。いや、これはないですけどね。まあ、でも日本これ外人同士の試合で外人のレフリーですよね。これ日本人のレフリーだったら続行ということも考えられたんですよね。いや、なんとなくですね。コミ
like we will never find before. Can you say the same, Hogan and Tenru? Today can be your last day in Japan or for the rest of your life. Next up is a match with Jamie Snooker and the Barbarian. I don't know who to fight because I can't read it again, but I've got a little Google Translate for you, which helped me out, and I'll throw my little review at the back end of it. Superfly Jimmy Snooker and the Barbarian versus Ishinriki and Yoshiaki Yatsu. 10-minute match this, nice up and down match, I love me some Barbarian, shame me had to eat the pin, but a nice back suplex for the free. I give this three stars. さて、一心力選手のインタビューが。まだ捕まりませんかね、一心力選手。リングサイド。もう一回ビューティフルショット。リプレイでご覧いただきましょう。八代シャキがご覧のように真っ暗だった。その間のこのや、一心力のフォロー
taking apart the guardrail. Animal whacks Tenru with a chair as the match has completely broken down. Animal now has Tenru in a chin lock. As the action is back, back in a ring, Hawk and Tenru slug it out as Hawk is busted open. Hogan tags in and runs wild on Hawk as he face, faces busted open too. The LO dude trap Hogan in the corner. Now the animal hits a flying shoulder tackle that gets to gets to. Hogan and Animal both go down after a double clothesline, but Hawk tags in. LOD stay in control. Hogan manages to tag out, and Tenru takes down Animal, but gets tossed outside after a pin attempt. Hogan catches, chases off Hawk by beating him with a chair. Then Animal tosses Tenru over the announce table. Animal takes the Tenru back inside and hits a belly-to-belly -belly suplex for two. Tenru manages a back suplex, but Animal prevents the tag. Hogan runs in to knock Hogan off, or Hawk runs in to knock Hogan off the apron. Hawk tags in, but ducks his head for the backdrop and ends up getting powerbombed. Hogan tags in and hits the big boot leg drop, but Hawk makes the save. Hogan gets tossed, then LOD hits Tenru with the doomsday device. Hogan breaks up the pin with a chair shot, and then everyone brawls in the crowd. Fuck you, Hogan. Animal whacks Hogan with the chair, then runs inside just in time to get to get the win via countout. Three and a half stars. Blogger Doom give this after the match. Hogan and Tenru clean the room, and an Animal comes back. Yeah, fuck you, Hogan. Right, that's it. I'm sorry about the delay. It's getting harder to do these, but I promise you, I'm going to get better. And I want to say thank you to Diane and Raven, as usual. And where else? Oh, yes. I I don't know if you've noticed halfway through this re recording this, I got the iMag Mike cast for Valentine's Day off my good lady. Love the bones of her. So with that, I should see you next week for another Raven's Top 10 Buckle podcast and with that i will see you on the other side and thank you for listening